You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. What's up? Matt Miguez here back in the studio once again. And this time it'll be for a while. Glad to not be on the road so much anymore. However, had a great time at as Sunbelt Media Days as well as SEC Media Days the week before. But man, there's just something about being back home. Got a big show today for you on your Thursday. Going to talk a lot of college football. Going to do a final recap of Sunbelt Media Days. We will also talk some G5 football with my guy, Matt Sprouse, of the Group of Five Guys podcast. We'll talk realignment and how it affects G5. We'll talk about the Cajuns. We'll talk about the Sun Belt and a little bit more. And then at 5.30, Mark Willoughby, the play-by-play radio voice of the Southeastern Lions football program, will join me to do a preview of the Lions as that is the Cajuns' first opponent of the year on September 3rd. We will also talk some LSU Tigers, some Houston Astros, and apparently there's something big happening in New Orleans. We'll, we'll get to that, too. The game hotline 706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Producer extraordinaire. And the co-host with the most, Mr. James Mesh, pushing all the buttons, trying to come up with a poll question of the day. James, what's up, buddy? What's up, Matt? You, you getting anywhere? You got any ideas? Uh, kind of struggling. Ooh, okay. We're off to a good start on this Thursday. So well, I'm trying to think of something that we haven't done before. And I don't want to keep going Saint, 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 Saints. Well, yeah. Right. So breaking news from Ian Rappaport. Bucks Pro Bowl center Ryan Jensen, who was carted off this morning, is feared to have suffered a serious knee injury. They're still working through the test, and the hopes is to know definitively within the next couple of days. That is not the news that Tom Brady wanted to get in week one of training camp. That's not great. That is not ideal if you are Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we'll keep an update on that. We've got a couple other top stories to get to, but man, I'm going to start with Kyler Murray. We haven't had the chance to talk about it over the last couple of days because we've been so locked in with Sunbelt Media Days. So in case you haven't seen it, Kyler Murray signed a new five-year, $230.5 million contract. $46.1 million a year. That's fine. You know, that's the quarterback market. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. That's fine, right? The, the, it's, not the, it's not the money that I have a gripe with. The problem here is if you read the fine print of the contract, well, you really didn't have to because it exploded around social media, there is a clause in his contract Labeled independent study. Well, you might read that and go, 
what does independent study even mean? It means that each week of the season, Kyler Murray has to sit and watch four hours of film in addition to what's mandated with the team. So does his regular weekly team film studies and then goes to another four hours. Why are they making him do that? Probably because he's been unprepared his entire career. Which is scary, right? Because if you look at Kyler Murray, I'm not talking about him being short. I'm talking about him having God-given ability. I mean, the kid was drafted in the top 10 in the NFL draft and was drafted number one overall in the MLB draft. Freaky ability. And, you know, talent can bring you a long way, and it has brought Kyler Murray a long way because throughout his entire rookie deal, it appears that he got away on talent alone. However, now the entire NFL has seen him play at least once. And... Everybody's got four years of tape on him. They figured him out. So if you don't watch tape and find loopholes and find gaps in your opponent that you can exploit, you're going to get eaten alive. And Kyler Murray, as we all know, not a very big dude. It won't take much to eat him alive. So, you know, James, I'll bring you in here. There's got to be a reason that the Cardinals felt necessary to put this in the contract. Because Kyler's sitting there going, oh, I feel disrespected to think that I don't prepare. Well, bud, if you prepared, if you prepared enough, why do they feel the need to put that in your contract? Something's not adding up here. Something is not adding up. The thing that makes me wonder is maybe he is preparing, but he's doing it his own unique way, but so far it just hasn't worked. Or just maybe they took it a certain way like how most of the media did and online when he made the comments. Because when you look back at the comments, it's not as bad as people make it out to be. But to kind of hear it, it's like you're not constantly in the film room. Well, you see here's watching film. Here here's the other thing. He's a quarterback. Like you need to do that to be able to read the defenses. You know, you have gym rats. Quarterbacks are film rats. You need to be a film rat if you want to be successful. And if you're not in there a bunch, you're not going to you're not going to be prepared and you're going to look like what you looked like in the wild card round against the Rams. I listened to an interview on on a podcast or a conversation on a podcast, and they were talking about this Kyler Murray scenario. And one of the guys in the conversation played quarterback in college. And he said, look, man, you know, I didn't make it to the NFL, but even in college, four hours a week? He said, dude, I had four hours of film watched before breakfast. I was going to say, four hours, it sounds like a lot, but if you're breaking it down an hour a day, I mean... Yeah, he said, you, I, you hope your QB's out there two hours, right. three hours a day. Right. So he, just four in a week, that's very little. He said, I had four hours of film watch before breakfast on Tuesday morning. 
Like, that's nothing. And, and again, you know, Kyler can paint it to say, oh, well, that's disrespectful that I don't prepare. I'm not saying you don't prepare. You don't prepare enough. As a quarterback, you can't prepare enough. You have to know every move that that defense is going to make before they make it. When you drop back in the pocket, you have to know, okay, that edge rusher is even going to do a, either going to do a swim move or, you know, he's going to bull rush around the edge or whatever. You got to know what he's doing before he does it. Because you have to know how to beat it. So if the Arizona Cardinals organization Steve Kime is a great general manager. If he felt necessary to put that clause in the contract, you done messed up, Kyler. You're not preparing enough. And as a general manager, if I think that my stud quarterback isn't preparing enough, I don't know that I'm signing him to a five-year deal for $230 million. Here's another interesting take on contract clauses, James. A detail has just been released about Zion Williamson's contract. He has to keep a certain weight. Zion's got to stay under 295 to stay within the terms of his contract. That's another problem that I see. I'm almost wondering if GMs are being heavily influenced by people making comments about their players and how they've either looked or how they've answered certain questions or just approached themselves. I just, and then, you know, I'll wrap up the Kyler Murray thing. Again, you can't prepare enough. You know, look at Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel was a guy that didn't watch film in college. He's, He's openly admitted that. He didn't watch film. Of course not. He That would take away from his party. But his talent got him through college football. Won him a Heisman. All, Kyler won a Heisman too. All of it. What happened to Johnny when he got to the NFL? He got paid. He partied a little too hard. And the most important part of this is that he wasn't prepared on the field and got beat. Bad. A lot. And now where is he? Cabo? Partying on daddy's money? No, he's been playing with the fan control football. Oh. Yes. (laughs) Yes. With T.O. Yes, I'm sorry. The fan controlled football league with Terrell Owens. Props to you, bud. That's the pinnacle. He's he's made it. He he's somebody called Canton reserve a spot for him. Start making the bus now. Jesus Christ. All right, poll question of the day. <laughs> James, this is good. This is this is good. Yeah. <laughs> Leave how, me alone for a second, I'll do it. <laughs> how, how long until Matt leaves James again? Next week? Within a month? Next year, never again. Well, bud, I can tell you that it's never again. It's not never again. I was going to say, we're going to process of elimination. Yeah, you're, um, you're going to leave me again. I already know. 
It's not well. I mean, I am probably going to leave you next year, but I'm going to leave you before that. But I'm not going to leave you within a month. So longer than a month, but less than a year. You and you is could, the correct answer. You, you could even leave me next Monday. Oh yeah, that's true. So I mean, there is definitely options. There it is could no, be next week. There is there, there is no is. right answer except there is one wrong, <laughs> and it's never again. James, I can never leave you, bud. I mean, you'll text me, but like, you know, you know, some somebody's got to blow up your phone. Oh, Paracha. that was a good one. The game one zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Red Hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles Saturday, August twenty seventh, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take a timeout. We will head back to the Big Easy, so to speak. We got audio from Saints training camp. Mike Thomas back in the building, dancing on the field, catching passes. Man, it's a good day to be a Saints fan. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 20 minutes after 4 o'clock here on your Thursday. The Saints back in full swing at training camp since Tuesday. Michael Thomas back on the field off of the physically unable to perform list. Dancing on the field, catching passes, hanging out with his new teammates. I mean, as a as a Saints fan here in South Louisiana, that's got to be a good sign. Mike looks healthy. He looks ready to play. And for kind of silence the doubts that, you know, he's happy to be in New Orleans. Which for a while, people were kind of worried that he wasn't. But the main thing that Mike said today, or yesterday, rather, is that he's blessed to be back. I'm kind of lost for words. I didn't want to come up there and get emotional or anything, but it was a blessing to definitely be back out there with the guys, being able to put my hand in the pile and just be out there to perfect my craft and compete and encourage guys and get ready to help DA win some games. Mike also went on to talk about how far he is from where he wants to be physically. Oh, I'm always trying to get better. Even before I got injured, I felt like I was far away from being the player I am. And now here is just day-to-day taking coaching, um, listening to coaching, uh, making every rep count, and just uh, staying disciplined in my approach, taking care of my body so I can be out there and honestly just competing at a high level. 
Michael Thomas also went on to discuss his relationship with Chris Olave because, you know, the Saints were really the NFL version of Ohio State. Mike Thomas, Chris Olave, Marshawn Lattimore, Pete Warner. At one point, Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn. At one point, Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah. You know. Uh, I think uh, the tight end, what's his name? Uh, the other one. Not Taysom, not Adam, not Jawan. Nick Burn. Nick Vanette. He he's went also, to Ohio State? He's also Ohio State. Wow. Jesus. So. Yeah. So literally the NFL version of Ohio State. Anyways, here's Michael Thomas on his relationship with Chris Olave. I'm very excited. It's a blessing to have a guy like Chris Olave. You know, Chris, I, I've known Chris before he got here, and it's like the, to have the opportunity to have a guy like that, to train with him, to kind of see him before the draft even came a year. We, we trained together. Um, it's an honor. Um, I know the culture he came from. I know the environment he came from. I know the guys that coached him. And um, just coming from that winning culture at Ohio State and that brotherhood and bringing another guy here like that, I know he's going to compete. So I'm blessed to have a guy like that and to play with him. It's an honor. Switch sides to defense. Cameron Jordan returns for year 11 in the Saints program. You know, one of the leaders of this defense Going to be a Saints Hall of Famer, might be a pro football Hall of Famer. Cam was asked, you know, this Saints defense is legendary in its own right, but it can't. fans can't help but compare it to the Dome Patrol. I'm not, I'm not here to knock or put anything. I think, I think they were amazing as a defense, but we're trying to be amazing as a team. We're, we're chasing the prize here. The prize is to win a Super Bowl. I'll leave the fanfare to call it Dome Patrol 2.3.17.0. We are worried about being the best Demar Davis, being the best Cameron Jordan, being the best Marcus Davenport, being the best Marshawn Lattimore, being the best defense we can be. In, in my mind, we'll leave the identity of defense. It always forms exactly how you want to by game four or five. It's too early to tell in terms of just having those bobbleheads we had on the day. I can't tell you how our defense is going to form, but when it does, we'll know exactly who we are. We're trying to be an aggressive top-tier defense this year. I mean, in my mind, defense wins championships. Each and every year you see it. You can give Cooper Cup the MVP of the Super Bowl, but if without Von Miller, without Aaron Donald, I don't know if that's coming out the same way. Uh, you look back, you know, you go each and every year. I mean, Tom Brady with, with uh, Tampa Bay and, you know, Kansas City. If you see the defense tear through the Kansas City way it did in the Super Bowl, defense wins championships. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be a championship defense. He also spent time talking about, you know, he talked about how they want to be a great team. Here's his thoughts on the offense. How explosive or how much potential does our offense actually have? You know, like when you think about, you draft a guy like, again, Chris Olave, you bring in, you know, you have Jarvis Landry, Mike T steps back on the field. Mike T alone can do it for you. So now you give, you know, one of the ultimate weapons, more weapons, and then you give it to a guy like Jameis who, was playing lights out at the beginning of last year through you know him being hurt, untold potential. So what does it do? It opens up the field even more. How much more? I don't know. We'll see. We we went from having the highest draft pick being Trey Quan last year to you know nobody being drafted behind him and our receiving core to now all of them being drafted and having weight in the league. We talk about Jarvis and Mike T, and then you bring in Chris Olave, who's been training with Mike T since. Yes. Last soundbite from the players: Cam Jordan talking about his new head coach. Dennis Allen. DA, I know, you, I'd like to say, you know, I know trust as a, as a defensive coordinator, so I, I feel like I can come up and talk to him if I have any qualms, and I hate that. <laughs> With Sean, he was an offensive guy, so the only time I wanted to see him was like 
at a basketball game. You know, like I don't really want to see him because if I have to see him during practice, it's because the defense is messed up. We see him during the game, it's because the defense is really messed up. You know, um, with DA, I know we're going to be there every every down. Like it's in my mind, we're a defense first team, which I love. And at the same time, I don't know if I, you know, I'm, I'm used to it. I've never had a defensive minded head coach before. So I think that it's going to be great for us because, again, we're going to get better as a defense and we know we have the tools to be great on offense already. So yeah, if we can become better on defense, how much how much more can we go? All right, let's go to Dennis Allen now, head coach of the New Orleans Saints. And he spent some time talking about the new mantra of this football team. Yeah, we're going to be we're going to be tough. We're going to be smart. And we're going to be highly competitive. We're going to compete our tail off in everything that we do, and and that's really been that's been our mantra about how we've played defense around here for since 2017, really. And I think we've seen some of the fruits of that labor, and 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 that's that can be carried over to you know our whole football team, and so you know it's not some you know, fancy cliche or anything like that, but that's what wins in our in our league. He also talked about Jameis growing as a player, knowing that there's no competition. Well, I wouldn't. I would never use the term "not worried about making mistakes," right? right? You know, like I, I do feel like he's a little bit more secure in his position. You know, and I think that's a that's a comfortable feeling to have. But look, we, we, we still know this is a production-based business, you know, so we all know that we got to go out and perform, and, and certainly Jameis understands that. But, yeah, I would say certainly think that knowing that going in, you know, gives you a little bit of security and, and a little bit of confidence going in. If you want to score a new Apple Watch, all you got to do is send a simple text. That's right, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a brand-new Apple Watch. Join our brand new text club by texting GAME to 337-283-8100, G-A-M-E to 337-283-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win that Apple Watch, plus tons of chances to score other great prizes. Try Astros tickets, concert tickets, much more. It's the game's text club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. We'll take a time out. Matt Sprouse of the Group of Five Guys podcast will join us on the other side. College football is getting closer and closer by the minute. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The red-hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways, powered by Butcher AC, La Meridia, and Houston downtown, and the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We love talking about sports. Yep. You love listening to sports. Yep. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Yep. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Into crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers 
and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 35 minutes after 4 o'clock. And it is time to talk some group of five college football. Matt Sprouse, co-host of the Group of Five Guys podcast, joins us. Matt, what's going on, man? How are you? All right. Seems like we're having some technical difficulties, and we don't have Matt. We'll try to get him back. Let's you know, kind of start the conversation of Group of Five football. You know, it really started today with the Americans Media Day when their commissioner, Mike Oresco, sat there and said that the FBS needed to break away from the NCAA, which is in- intriguing because is he sitting there saying that they need to start their own league? Is he saying that, you know, the NCAA and, and more particularly Mark Emmert isn't right for the job? There's a there's a lot of of interesting twists and turns there. With what Oresco said today at American Media Days, but looking at the American, I mean, it's got to be Cincinnati's to lose, right? I mean, they're on their way out. They're headed to the Big 12 in 2023, but they're in the American for one more year. And having played in the playoff last year, yeah, they lost a lot, but they also maintained a lot. I got to feel that it's Cincinnati's to lose. All right, I think we might have Matt Sprouse back of Group of Five Guys podcast. Matt, what's up? What's happening? Oh, man, good to hear from you. So, you know, let's kind of start with what I was talking about just a second ago. American Athletic Conference Commissioner Mike Oresco says that FBS football should break away from the NCAA. What do you make of that? I mean, it just depends on how they want to do it. Um, you know, I think from, from my perspective and I think most fans perspective is look, as long as I can watch college football, as we know it on Saturdays, I I personally don't care what the league is or what the organization is that's running it. Um, now I think the fear for the traditionalist is if you break away from the NCAA kind of gets rid of the amateur tag. You know, and then we're already starting to see that anyways. But I think that may ruin some of the, uh, you know, the tradition and the and the uh, allure, I guess, of college football. So, man, I got to ask you before we dive deeper into this conversation, you have been a traveling man as of late. You went to rolling. You went to Texas. You went to Florida. You went to northern Illinois. Yeah. talk, Talk about your trips, checking out different facilities. And what were your thoughts? Yeah, so, you know, that's our whole deal with Group of Five Guys is we're trying to highlight these schools that the mainstream sports media is not going to. So, you know, right now we're five best friends uh, that all went to a Group of Five school, so we get the fight, we get the struggle. But, um, you know, right now we all work full-time careers, so any chance we get to parlay a work trip or a family trip, and can parlay that into a trip to a group of five school, we're going to make it happen. So, I mean, for me, yeah, I mean, I went to, I went to 
see my my family in South Florida. So I've checked out Florida Atlantic, Florida International. I got up to see my wife's family in uh, the Chicago area. So I slid over to NIU. Um, me and a couple of buddies just planned a trip, what, two weeks ago um, out to Texas, caught Texas State, UTSA. Um, so we've been rolling, man. It's nothing but fun. And, um, you know, you asked me what what my thoughts have been. It's It's clear the schools that have made an effort to invest in football. And it's pretty clear which schools have not. Um, and you can kind of see the there's those there's every couple of years when when the top schools will make facility upgrades and you can see which group of five schools are right in line with those. And then you see, can see which ones, you know, had a nice upgrade, maybe five to eight years ago. But in today's world, that's not enough. I mean, you, you've got to continuously upgrade. And so, you know. You're you're in Louisiana, so you know I talk the Sun Belt for the most part. Every Sun Belt school that we've gone to um, is is pretty top notch. I mean Texas State, uh, for example. Now they they've got their equipment. They're not all the way in their new buildings yet, so it's a little bit tough to judge. But I mean, you can just tell the difference um, between schools that have made a con- concerted effort, you know, to invest in football and let football be the the uh i tweeted earlier the flagship brand for the school yeah no no question about it you know you saw the the facilities here at louisiana when you came down for the the sunbelt championship game back in december you know yep. looking let's let's start with the sunbelt everybody in college football that that pays attention to the group of five is sitting here saying that the sunbelt east is the best division in g5 college football do you agree um, I think I think top to bottom, it's it's going to be the most competitive, for sure. Um, I mean, you look at the addition of a Marshall. And we don't even know what James Madison's going to be yet. I mean, y- you already, you know, you look at last year, for example, where you know you guys in Louisiana were pretty much clear cut favorite all the way through. But you look at App State's App State; they're going to be good. They're always going to be good. You add Marshall, who is a traditional Group of Five powerhouse. Um, and then what Coastal has built in the last couple of years, it looks like they're going to be here to stay. I mean, it's 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 the real deal. I mean, but but I'll but I'll tell you this, Matt, the Sun Belt West is on the rise, and I wouldn't I would not be ready. I know I'm I know I'm in hostile territory, but I would not be ready to hand it to the Cajuns just yet. Oh, I I agree with you 100. percent You know, everybody's saying that the the Cajuns are the favorites, and I mean, I cover the Cajuns on a daily basis. I don't, I don't see it. I mean, I just think anytime you lose a head coach, especially one that's, you know, a figurehead and a culture guy like Napier. Yeah. And then he then he, of course, takes a bunch of guys with him from the staff and from the roster. So, you know, you're losing a lot of locker room culture and then you're obviously losing talent um, and then you lose a veteran quarterback. And then on top of that, you got I mean, if you ask me. I look at Troy. I think Troy's defense is going to be all time this year. I mean, yep. they're 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 set to stop a lot of people now. If they can just, I know they got a transfer quarterback, should hopefully solve some offensive issues. But I think Troy's going to be really good. 
and I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to probably take some heat for it, but we spent a couple days in San Marcos with Texas State, and yeah, we didn't we didn't see them in pads, we didn't see them on the field necessarily, but you look at those guys, and there's there's just a, you know, you can walk into a locker room or a football building, and you can feel a sense of confidence and energy, and they have it there, and they've got They've got, I mean, they flipped that roster upside down. It was, what, two or three years ago when everybody was making fun of Coach Spavadol there for not signing any high school kids. But now they got these JUCO kids. They've got a bunch of transfers on the O-line from FC. You know, they got FCS All-American guys. They got all-conference guys from around the group of five. They got guys that have played a lot of snaps in the quote-unquote power five. And from hanging around the guys – it seems like they've bonded off the field, which goes a long way on the field. So I think they're going to be pretty darn good. I mean, it's it's a it's up for grabs in the West, man. Yeah, Matt Sprouse of Group of Five Guys joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Yeah, you know, yesterday at Sunbelt Media Days, I actually interviewed Jake Spavadol and you know, I, I kind of got the same vibe. You know, they have a yeah. they have a sense of confidence about their program that you know, they haven't met the standard of, of Texas State football or what they want the standard to be, but, you know, that steady improvement that they've had year in and year out. And then you bring in Lane Hatcher, who yep. just really couldn't quite fit in at Arkansas State, but he comes from Nick Saban's tree. I mean, yep. there, there's no question as to what Jake Spavadol is going to be able to do with this offense. Yeah, and with Lane Hatcher, I mean, I know all the talk's going to be about Grayson McCall, quarterback, a little bit of talk about Chase Bryce at App. Um, the kid at Georgia State, Granger, I think is a really mm-hmm. good player. But, I mean, here's the deal, man. Lane Hatcher was in the same quarterback room as as Jalen Hurts, Tua, and Mac Jones at Alabama for a year. So, like, you know, he's, he's been around some great players. He's been around, you know, a lot of coaches. But and, – and, and they were out – so I'll tell you this. They were out on a Saturday morning when we were there to visit. They just had all the skill guys just voluntarily, you know, players – throwing and catching, running routes. Again, I know it's in shorts, but that dude can sling that thing, man. And he, he's – he's I would – he's definitely in the top three or four quarterbacks in the conference, but I think he, he can he can give McCall and Bryce a run for their money. How good do you think James Madison can be in the Sunbelt Conference? I think – it's hard to tell, and they've got a, a really interesting week one game against, of course, my alma mater, Middle Tennessee – which is going to, I think, tell us a lot because I don't know that middle is, is a world beater, but they got players, they got, they got some veteran guys, and you know, they, they, they typically perform decent in the group of five. Um, I think that James Madison, from a, from a program standpoint, is ready to be the next App State or Georgia Southern that comes in and is right away competitive. Um, I mean, we've not been out there to visit yet, our 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 other guy Jesse uh, that does a group of five guys with us has has driven through the town and and said the stadium is incredible. Um, so they've definitely invested in football, and that's what it and that's what it takes. I mean, they're gonna. I think they might struggle just a little bit from a depth standpoint in the first year or two, um, but after that, I mean, I think they're ready to roll. I think it'll be similar. I think them this year going in conference in the Sun Belt will be similar to. You know, when a, a top Sun Belt or, or Mountain West team goes against one of the top SEC schools, right? First half, they're competitive 
and then sort of the depth up front on the O line and D line yeah. starts to wear on them. I could see that happening this year. Conference USA, you know, UAB, UTSA, Western Kentucky are your three big dogs, and then after that, it's pretty wide open. It's wide. <laughs> it's wide open. Yeah. What do you make of Conference USA? Yeah, I think UTSA has to be the clear favorite. I think UAB is right there. It'll be interesting to see if there's any kind of drop off with Bill Clark, you know, hanging them up. Um, I don't see how Western Kentucky can repeat what they did last year. I just think you lose not just a good quarterback, you lose an NCAA all time quarterback along with his number one receiver and the offensive coordinator calling the plays. So I think that'll be tough, but again, the conference is wide open and you lose one of the favorites in Marshall. Um, I think, I think, believe it or not, I think old dominion had they stayed would have been sneaky good in the conference. Yep. Um, but I, I think you got to look at UTSA. You got to look at UAB. I think that, uh, one that nobody's really talking about. I think North Texas is going to be a pretty good team. I mean, I, they rattled off five in a row to end the season last year. Um, and their, their, their losses last year were close non-conference to some tough teams, you know, in state type games. So I think they'll be up there, but man, Conference USA, it's a conference that I'm real familiar with because I played in it. You know, Middle Tennessee could rattle off. It, 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 like, it's so wide open after UAB and UTSA, I think, that you could look up and somebody could be 5-0, and 6-0. You look at, like, UTEP from a year ago. You're like, how in the heck is this team undefeated or 7-1 and going in to play UTSA? And then you've got other teams in that conference that start 5-0, and 6-0, and then they don't win another game. So it's wide open, but I think you got to give UTSA with the quarterback coming back with, I mean, we, uh, so two of our guys, when we took our Texas trip, got to go to San Antonio and check out their building. And that's one, I mean, it's their, their, their facilities are on par and UABs too. So they're, they're easily the top two facilities in that conference. And you've got the whole community bought in to what coach trailers doing there. The Alamo dome, you know, we make fun of off-campus stadiums, professional stadiums with way too many seats. But, hey, if they're a 10-win team and that Alamo Dome is full, you're going to wish it was a 30,000-seat stadium because right. it's about to be loud and it's going to be really tough to play. They've got – I'll tell you, UTSA um, opening up versus Houston is a massive, massive game, and I think it sets the tone for the group of five for the rest of the year. Last question for you, Matt. Looking at the American, Cincinnati win one more title on the way out? Man, I don't think they do. I think, man, I think Houston is ready to roll. I think it's it's going to come down. We had we actually did our American Conference preview. Um, it aired last night uh, with the group of five guys, and we had uh, we had the Boneyard podcast from ECU come on and join us. And our consensus was Houston to win it. I think it comes down to Houston, Cincinnati, and then for whatever reason, UCF is, uh, I can't believe I'm going to say it. They're, they're, they're quietly sort of flying under the radar Yeah, <laughs> and they're going to be really, really, really good. Um, but I think the consensus, I mean, Cincinnati, you're going to lose a veteran quarterback. You just, you, 
you got most everything else coming back on offense. Uh, you know, you got you got, I think, all five starters on the O-line, so they'll be really good. Whoever wins that quarterback job is going to be protected. They'll have a good run game. But you lose, I mean, anytime you lose a guy like Sauce Gardner, you lose Kobe Bryant, you lose Majay Sanders. I mean, you're losing all-American, NFL draft, all-conference players. It's going to be tough to replace. Now, I think they're good. I think they win 9-10 games, but I, I think Houston's Houston's ready to ready to take that one. Matt Sprouse of the group of five guys joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Matt, Miguez and Mesh. Matt, quickly before you run, man, tell our tell our listeners where they can find group of five guys. Yeah, hundred percent, man. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. It's real simple. It's at Group of Five Guys. Um, you know, our podcast airs on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, any podcast platform that you can think of. You know, we're we're Hit us up on there, man, because we're trying to plan out our schedule this fall to see where we're going to go. And and Matt, you can vouch. When we come to town, we like to have a good time, and we yeah. are going to experience the the full tailgate and game day experience. And we want to see every single group of five game day in the country. And so we just need to know who we need to link up with, man. No doubt about it, Matt. Appreciate you, and I'll uh, I'll see you when you come down to Lafayette this year, my man. Matt, thanks, brother. There he goes, Matt Sprouse of the group of five guys. We'll take one final time out. And wrap up hour number one on the other side. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com can help with your day night blues. Once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse and Cyber's Bayou. $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. The only way to score these great prizes, you got to become a member of the Game Clubhouse. 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Sign up today. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, Gaz and Mesh. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, MLB trade deadline heating up. It's coming on Tuesday. I got three hot takes that I've seen a few people talking about on social media, but these are three things that I see are going to happen. How hot are we talking? Four fifty on Scoville unit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's All not, right. <laughs> that's not very hot. Number one. No, I'm not. I'm not talking about four hundred fifty degrees. Oh, I was. I asked Scoville. Oh, I, I didn't understand what you said. Anyways, three hot takes. Okay. Number one, Josh Bell is going to be the new Astros first baseman. Oh, okay. So where does Yuli go? Um, to the bench. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Minor leagues, probably. <laughs> Damn. All right. I'm- Number two, Wilson Contreras is going to come in as a catcher slash designated hitter from okay. the Kansas City Royals. Okay. Number three. Everybody's talking about how the Astros are going to have to trade a pitcher to do it. Jose Urquidy. Bye-bye. You're saying, okay, you're saying goodbye to Jose. Okay. I mean, that's fair since you want to keep people like Fromber and you want to keep. You obviously want to keep Christian Javier. I mean, it's going to be hard. It's it's also going to be hard to get rid of 39-year-old JV. Well, God, yeah, the Cy Young favorite. I, I don't think that's a trade option. No, but um, even even at thirty nine, well, yeah, it's going to be hard to trade a thirty nine year old. Even even if he's still really good, he's still thirty nine. 
And, you know, fans are starting to panic. Well, the Astros haven't made any moves yet. You know, what are they going to do? They got five days. A lot of it's going to happen right at the end anyway. It's almost how it always goes. It's always It's always about an hour or two before the trade deadline. Patience, grasshopper. Patience. Hour number two, we're going to talk McNeese. We're going to talk some more Saints. And, of course, Mark Willoughby, the play-by-play voice of the Southeastern Lions, will join us at 5.30. All that and your phone calls on the hotline, 706-0111. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Hour number two, coming up right after this top-of-the-hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two on a Thursday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. James, I got a question for you. You know, last week we were I was in Atlanta and you came out of nowhere with a, a new song to, to come back from a commercial break. And I'm sitting there waiting for the the show to come back on, and all I hear is I'm too sexy for whatever. It was like I'm too sexy for my shirt. That was that was that was the new Drake and uh, Future song. Dude, you caught me so off guard with that, and then it <laughs> happened again at SBC Media Days. Yeah, you played it again. Yeah, and it absolutely did not see it coming. I S- Simeon just doesn't recognize it. I couldn't help but laugh. It was, it's like I mean, listening to the song itself, I like it, but it, it is funny having like the original throwback song as like the initial uh, sample, right? And anyways, so the XFL announced late last week or early this week their new team markets for the 2023 season, and apparently, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Loves the state of Texas. He loves the state of Texas. So there's eight teams in the XFL to start, right? Three of them are in the state of Texas. You got Washington, D.C., St. Louis, Seattle, Las Vegas, Orlando, Houston, San Antonio, Arlington. First of all, why you had to be extra and say Arlington when you could have just said Dallas. Or or next it was going to be Irving, which technically the Cowboys could be the Irving Cowboys because that's where their stadium's located. Arlington. The Arlington... Let's try to predict what the, the mascots are going to be. Argonauts, I don't know. The Argonauts. Um, the Houston... Rough Riders? They were the Roughnecks. When the XFL came back a couple years ago, they were the Roughnecks. The Lassos. <laughs> the Lassos. The Houston the, Lassos. The San Antonio Conquistadors. 
There it is. There it is. Salsa. The salsa. The 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 singular team names are weird. Like the Thunder. The Thunder. The Stanford Cardinal. That the, one's still good. The Syracuse just a single Cardinal. The Syracuse Orange. The Orange what? Just orange. <laughs> like the fruit? We bleed the color. The the color? Like what are we what are we the beach? <laughs> it and then you know you look at from what was it the AAF a couple years ago the Birmingham Iron that was dumb <laughs> that weird was, weird for, yeah weird. for the AAF I remember the like I'm um, I understand like you were a startup league and blah 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 you couldn't come up with something a little bit better than that anyways. Let's look at some top headlines in the world of sports. Kwan Alexander has signed a one-year deal to join the New York Jets, reuniting with his former D.C. in San Francisco, Robert Sala. You've also got story from Saquon Barkley and the Giants. Saquon says that he wants to prove to management that he is still the same guy that they drafted. I hope he's right, because if he's wrong, his career might end pretty quickly. I mean, Saquon was elite, and then he tore an ACL. And then he came back, and then he tore it again. And now I'm just not sure. I want to believe that he's legendary still, because I like Saquon Barkley. I have since he was at Penn State. I just don't know that you can recover from two ACL tears. I think he's got one more injury left in him. I think he's still supremely talented. It can still do things for the Giants. But if he has one more major injury, it's it's done. Yep. I, I can't see him surviving a third one. You ready for tomorrow, James? What's tomorrow? We're going to have an in-depth conversation about UFC 277. Oh. Juliana Pena, Amanda Nunez. Amanda, okay, yeah. Oh, man. That's going to be legendary this weekend. And it's in Houston. Or is it in Dallas? It's in Texas. Or is it in Arlington? I know it's in da- I know it's in Texas. Or is it in Irvine? Oh, my God. Why, why do you hate me? All right. Let's also look at the world of golf. That's right. I said it. Rocket Mortgage Classic going on in Detroit, Michigan. Round one today. Tony Finau in the lead. Coming off of his win last week, eight under through round one. Canadian Taylor Pendriff tied with him at eight under. couple more big names to look at in the mix. Cameron Champ is at six under. Callum Taron five under. Mark Hubbard, four under after his Hole in one today. And it was crazy. I watched a video of it, and he gets the shot off, and it's in the it's in its flight, and the commentators go, oh, he doesn't like this one. And then it just bounces and skips and rolls all the way to the hole, and then they go ballistic. Like, how did he go from not liking it to hole in one? Make it make sense. Looking a little bit further. Uh, I saw one name 
because I was initially looking at the like the leaderboard just like you. Yeah. And, and I've noticed there's a lot of Americans being at the top right now. But one name that really stood out for me. Affy Barnrat? Affy Barn Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that actually how you pronounce it? Uh, there's no way it is. Bar Affy Barn Rat? Kiradek. Aff. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I, I don't know. I think it's. But I, I know who you're talking about. Or may or maybe the T isn't pronounced, so it's like Effie Barnra. Maybe. But I saw Barnra. I was like, what? He's from Thailand. But he, but he. Okay, yeah, he is. But he is. He is close to the top. There's a lot of tied for eights. I've noticed so far. A lot of people yeah, are five, lot of under. five under. It's still early on, but. I'm rooting for him just for his name now. This is gonna now, be, that, now that I've seen his name. This is going to be a fun tournament because this is always the point of the schedule in the PGA season where guys start to turn it up. You've got three or so weeks until the end of the 2022 schedule, right before the, the 2023. I mean, the Tour Championship if you look at it, is in, I want to say it's in late August. So you're you're definitely looking at, you know, three weeks left in the season for, for the PGA Tour. You got the Rocket Mortgage Classic this weekend. You go to the Wyndham Championship the week after that. Then you got the FedEx St. Jude Championship, which everybody, you know, thoroughly enjoys. That's always a great tournament. And then you've got the BMW and then you've got the tour championship at the end of August. So they got about a month left of this year's PGA Tour season. And then, of course, you know, they take two weeks off and then they're back at it again because they, they never stop. That's, that's the interesting thing about golf. It's basically played year round. Again, poll question of the day on Facebook. And Twitter, how long until I leave James Mesh again? Because, you know, apparently James can't be alone. So far, 57% of you say next week, 43% of you say within a month. Both very realistic. Both very realistic. Because you, you've left me... Each of the last two weeks, James, do you have a do you have an issue with, with being alone? No, you just threw the poll question to me. I couldn't find anything sports related that I didn't want to repeat. I, I really think that y you have a problem with with being alone. No. Okay. All right, let's do this. I, I've seen this trend going around Twitter, and and I've actually been meaning to bring this up. Is it the Mount Rushmore? It. Well, we'll get to that. Okay. Play one, bench one, cut one. Cut one. It's, it's kind of like the married right. kill. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mac Jones, mm -hmm. Tua, mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. Cutting Tua. <laughs> I just, he might have a good season now that he has more than one good receiver. But I just, ah, dude, I, I just have not been impressed. And it's also weird. Nothing against lefties. I mean, my dad's lefty, but the, it's it's a completely different thing. You have to switch your whole formations. Everything is flipped. They can easily do the 
the reading to the left side, like a RPO slant off the left side, right? Easy. But if you're asking them to make throws down the right side, oh, that's challenging. Oh, that's that's difficult. Yeah. Not to mention with lefties, same thing with Levi. At points, they'll just have ugly mallard passes. And it just it's out of nowhere. Like it'll just be the most random pass. You have a receiver wide open, but it's ten yards short and it's a little too inside because it's just more often than not, you need to be right handed to have a more consistent throw. It's it's weird how that works, but We've seen it with Levi. Yeah, we saw it with no, Levi we absolutely have. with the Cajuns. I mean, he, I'll watch him. I'm like, dude, these are just pretty passes. And then one out of like every eight An or nine passes, dud. absolute dud. I'm like, what the hell was that? Yep. What? Okay, so you're benching Tua? No, I'm cutting Tua. Cutting Tua. Cutting you, Tua, or I or just trade him. Who are you benching? Benching mm, Jalen or here's the thing. Hypothetical. I'm going to bench Mac, Mac Jones. You're going to play Jalen? And I'm playing Jalen. That way, if Jalen does stink up the bed again, even with all these weapons, bring it in, Mac Jones, baby. You ready? So the the reason that it reminded me, I've been seeing this trend a lot on, on Twitter. Oh, it's been I, going on for a while. I just saw a recent tweet from Jake Crane. And he said, I'm playing Jalen, benching Mac. Tua can bring me his playbook. <laughs> exactly. Give me your playbook because I'll take those weapons. You re- you ready for this hot take? What's that? I'm cutting Jalen Hurts. Oh. <laughs> okay. I'm cutting Jalen Hurts. I'm not sold on him. I think he's got talent. I think he can be good in the NFL. I think he's a little too run happy. But it works with a run heavy offense. Because that's the main thing with Philly. Until he gets figured out. Until he gets figured out. But if you've noticed with Jalen over the over the years, since he's been benched during that national championship game, each year it feels like he's gotten a little better. Did he get really exposed against LSU whenever he was at Oklahoma? Yeah. But other than that, it was a really good season at Oklahoma. First, first few starts in 2020 for him. You saw him and Miles Sanders each have 100 yards rushing, and they just utterly demolished the Saints. And then this year he had a lot more starts, and now he's at a full year of starts. I think he had 16 or 17 in total within his first two years with the Eagles. He he got better. So I feel like now that you got weapons, the line's re- pretty good. Defense, pretty good. The outside weapons, pretty good. Still got Dallas Goddard at tight end as well. Like, yeah. I think I think now that you've got the weapons, there is no excuse. Right. And I think this is where you finally see him propel because you saw him get excited. He was on FaceTime with A.J. Brown as soon as he got traded draft night. It's true. Look, if he works out, great. I'm not rooting for the guy to fail. I'm not either. I'm not rooting for Tua to fail. I just think he's got to prove it to me. I'm just cutting him. So I'm cutting Jalen. Okay. I'm benching Mac. <laughs> just Mac, Mac just getting benched. All right. And, and then I'm starting to a interesting. I love to attack by Loa. I think with the right time, with the right coaches, and with the right weapons, enter Tyreek Hill. And then you have. Uh, the, the, I forgot his name. It, it's a simple name, too. I think it's like Steve. 
He from the 49ers that is now the Dolphins head oh, coach. Um oh god. Um I'm a, I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank too, but anyways. You get the right weapons, you get the right coaches. Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel, there it is. He's Kyler Murray. Tua is? I think they're very similar. I see them being very similar. I don't I don't Tua is and this is another statement. Tua is a lot less mobile in my eyes and run heavy. He's more of a he's more of a pat like he to me, I think he's closer as a pocket passer than he is as a scrambler like Kyler. Well, yeah, he's he's a little less of a scrambler. I agree. I think a lot more of less of a scrambler. I think he's more he's more pocket heavy and doesn't look to run unless he absolutely has to. I think he he usually tries to just get it to his receiver downfield. But I could see Tua being one of the elite passers. I mean, shoot, he's got a track team on offense. He's got Tyreek. He's got Jalen Waddle, and I don't know if he's going to be able to do it at this point. But he's got Raheem Mostert and Matt Breida. So. He's got he's got literal speedsters, so it's like just put it in an area and they'll catch up to it. I think people are consistently riding off to a tackle of Iloa, and I think this year he's going to step out and have himself one hell of a year. And if he doesn't, I got Teddy Bridgewater in my dynasty league. Oh God! <laughs> so enter oh Teddy Two Gloves if it comes down to it. Teddy Two Gloves. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Red Hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Registered in the game clubhouse, four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown in the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. James, I don't know if we can keep saying Red Hot Houston Astros. I feel like ever since we started saying that, they have fallen off a cliff. Oh, they have just gotten swept. <laughs> that that was awful. So, by the A's. Swept by the A's. You're kidding me, right? Oof. Unfortunately not. Let's take a timeout right here. When we return, we'll talk some Houston Astros. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 28th, 1989. Atlanta Braves star Dale Murphy hits a pair of three-run homers in one inning becoming the 14th man to hit two homers in the same inning. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into crunch time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Speaking of those Astros, they return home to the juice box tonight to take on the Seattle Mariners. 7-10 first pitch. The Astros 64-35, and 30-14 and at home on the season, while the Mariners 54-45, and 27-22 away from home. The Mariners have closed that gap in the AL West. It's down to 10. I mean... We, we say closed that gap. Technically, they have closed it, but still. A 10-game lead, even after being swept, you got to be pretty comfortable if you're the Astros. 
I mean, you're 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 sitting, you're sitting pretty right about now. I would not get nervous until it gets to three games. Right. Come on. You're you're fine. Granted, is it a good look for you to get swept by the A's? God no, they're horrible. Does it kill you? No, it does not. So, all good there, James. It's it's crazy how much the Astros have played the Mariners this year. <laughs> it is. Feels like every weekend I, I have to mention the Mariners in the two minute drill. And and this is going to be the last time. After Sunday, they're done. Oh, uh, honestly, that's a sigh of relief. They would have played all nineteen of their games by July thirty first. That's pretty wild. It's almost like getting. That's almost like the Saints playing the Panthers within the first seven weeks, right. both times, both games. Just knock them or, out. Or, or first nine games. I'm sorry. Just knock them out. Just For, like, all right, we're, do- we're done. Right. For the Mariners, Logan Gilbert going to go on the mound 10-4 and four on the year with a 2.77 ERA. He's pitched 117 innings, has 104 hits, and 112 strikeouts. Jose Arquiti will go for the Astros 9-4 and four with a 3.93 ERA. He's pitched 102 thirds innings, 102 hits, 77 strikeouts. The glaring statistic for Urquidy, he's given up 17 home runs this year. That is not good. That is not great. If you are the Houston Astros, Jordan Alvarez has 29 home runs on the year and a 309 batting average. He also has 67 RBIs to lead the Astros in every major statistical offensive category. For the Mariners, it's J-Rod. Their rookie sensation, Julio Rodriguez, a two seventy four batting average, 18 home runs, and 56 RVIs. And their batting average leader is their first baseman, Mr. Ty France, with a three oh nine average. Looking at the Houston Astros injury report, Jake Odorizzi currently listed as day-to-day. And Lance McCullers Jr. is still on the 60-day IL, but he's getting closer and closer to that return. Could we see... Postseason, LMJ, maybe. That would be fun. Houston Astros, once again, take on the Mariners tonight, 7-10. You can catch the pregame show starting at 6-40 right here on the game. Also, at the game, we want to help you win an Apple Watch. And you know what? The only thing you have to do? Send a text. Text GAME337283-8100 to join our brand new text club. That's game to 337-283-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch, plus tons of chances to score other great prizes, like tickets to see those Houston Astros, and much more. It's the Game Stacks Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. Let's take a time out. When we return, Mark Willoughby, the play-by-play voice of the Southeastern Lions, will join us to preview the Cajuns' first opponent of the year in 2022. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for The Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. I am joined by the play-by-play voice of the Southeastern Lions. 
Mr. Mark Willoughby. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time, man. How are you? My pleasure, guys. Glad to be here. Glad, Always glad to talk uh, Lions football and, and uh, getting ready to get the season started. Yeah, season's coming up in a couple of weeks, September 3rd. You guys are going to make that short trip over here to Lafayette. You know, looking at the, the roster, question number one, how do you replace a guy like Cole Kelly? Well, that's the question everybody's asking. But uh, honestly, I would tell you, uh, it may be as deep a quarterback room as they've had in a long time, uh, as, as much talent, uh, raw talent, as they've had in a long time. And you know, if you're going to have to replace a, a Walter Payton Award winner and a you know, the all-time leading passer in school history, at least there's some some capable uh, options uh, on board. This is going to be a battle to see who wins the starting job. It looks like Cephas Johnson has the uh, upper hand. He's been here in the program last uh, year, year and a half, I guess, since the spring. We played that spring season in 2020. Uh, transfer from South Alabama, so he's he's a leader out of the clubhouse. But you know, it's Colby Suits, transfer from UL Monroe, who started there in 2028 games, is also very talented. So I think those two are going to battle it out, and then we have some younger guys under them who are, are talented as well. So uh, the options are there. We'll just see how, how it shakes out. You know, you brought up Cephas Johnson and Colby Suits, two guys that came from the Sun Belt and now, you know, in the locker room at Southeastern. You talked about basically playing two seasons last year. The Lions played 20 games in the 2021 calendar year, going 13-7 and seven over that stretch. How does, how does the team, especially head coach Frank Selfo, use that as motivation into 2022? Well, I think, you know, there was a lot of carryover from the spring into last fall uh you know because it was a quick turnaround so i think that actually you know we had some health issues late in the season i'm not sure how much of that played in the factor or how much it was bad luck but um you know it was a quick turnaround so the retention was very good coming out of uh, the spring season the last year so really hit the ground running especially offensively that really missed a beat and you know there's a lot of veterans coming back a lot of guys that played a lot of football so um you know when you say you play 20 games in a calendar year I mean, there are a lot of younger guys that have had to grow up. And, and you know, they're, they're probably, you know, of course, you have the COVID year as well. So some guys are back that are, um, have that extra year. So there's a lot of experience on this football team. Looking at the skill positions, I know you talked about the quarterback room a little bit, but touch on the, the running back group and the receiver group. Who, step, who stands out and who's going to step up this year? Well, the, the, probably the biggest, you know, boost is – uh, program got in the off season was at the running back position because it, you know, quite frankly, didn't have enough depth last year. weren't able to run the football as much as we wanted to, just because of lack of bodies and lack of experience. But you know, Teron Jones uh, held his own. We had some injuries, but uh, uh, Jamal McClendon is a UCLA transfer, finally healthy, uh, big physical kid that um, you know came here in 2020, but he was never healthy and. Uh, of course, he got injured last year, midway through the year, and was really playing well. So he's back at full strength. But uh, added Carlos Washington as a transfer out of uh, New Hampshire, who was their starter, uh, three-year starter there. Really good player, really athletic. He's more of a dual-purpose guy and catch the ball in the backfield. He's 210 pounds, but more of a, a scat-back runner uh, who adds uh, a dimension there. You have Teron Jones back. And, uh, of course, uh, the uh, true freshman, um, out of uh, Baton Rouge, Derek Graham, who's uh, very, um, very explosive, a big, strong kid who we think's got a chance to come in and help. So uh, that area has been improved. Of course, the wide receivers, you know, uh, it's a, it's a loaded group. It's deep. Um, you know, of course, C.J. Turner comes back healthy. Finally, missed half a year last year. Was our best receiver. 
uh, uh, be our all-time career leading receiver when it's over. I was back, and of course, uh, Nick Kovacs is back. Um, uh, uh, I'm just losing track here. Uh, Terrell Carr is back. So we've got a lot of bodies, a lot of size, a lot of speed. So it's 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 the skill group is really good. And then, in my opinion, the most important position on the field, the five guys up front. What can you tell us about the offensive mm-hmm. line? Well, the offensive line, uh, of course, have to replace three starters, but you know a lot of guys played, so it's. You know, kind of, you have those kind of half starters, you know, guys that mix and match. So, uh, even though we returned two, we replaced them with three, but, uh, felt like, you know, uh, two of those guys rotated a lot. So they were kind of like starters. So really it's like replacing one, but it's a solid group, again, a veteran group, uh, led by Jalen Bell at left tackle. Um, also, uh, John Allen at, at left guard. Those are, uh, rock solid players on the left side. And of course, uh, Dom Serapiglia uh, is going to take over at center. Uh, played a lot of guard last year, backup center as well. And then Brendan Langclose to step in at right tackle. And then, of course, we got a starter at Northwestern State who transferred in Logan Kennedy. So he started football games, so he'll step in. So it's uh, it's an experienced group. We'll expect them to pick up where they left off last year. Mark Willoughby, the voice of the Lions, joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Talk to me about this Lions defense and how they plan to stop uh, a pretty solid Cajuns offense. Well, you know, that's a good question. You know, of course, last year was um, a tough year defensively. I thought uh, early on played well, but had a ton of injuries late, especially in the secondary. And it was, it was really um, just trying to trying to outscore people. And that's kind of what, you know, down the stretch we had to do. And, of course, it worked a lot, and of course, it didn't work. Lost three games, about three points, and then had a rough one at uh, James Madison after we turned football over. But um, new defense coordinator Bill Dottavio takes over. Uh, he was the defense coordinator for a long time at Sanford. He coached with Frank Selfo at Tulane, and has been around. He's a you know a, a very good defensive mind. And of course, uh, some guys who were injured last year are back healthy. We've added some transfers, especially up front. Uh, at defensive end, we feel like we'll add some punch to the pass rush. Um, got an all-conference player from the Southern Conference out of the Citadel, Anthony Britton. will step in at linebacker, had a great spring. And, of course, Zy Alexander is an All-American. Is back at corner, led the, uh, had six interceptions last year. Philando Jordan's healthy. Uh, he was a all, two-time All-American. Is back on the other corner. And uh, he missed half the season last year. And, of course, uh, added a couple other pieces. So I feel like we should be improved defensively, but you never know until you get out there. Um, we feel like there's more talent, more depth, but again, it's like anything else. And, you know, you just have to see, see when the lights come on. Looking at the 2022 schedule, obviously, you know, you open in Lafayette with Louisiana, and then you head to Boca Raton to play Florida Atlantic, and then you got four straight home games. Central Connecticut State, Incarnate Word, Murray State and Texas A&M Commerce. Just kind of talk to us about this schedule, especially you know right there at the end of November with the River Bell Classic. Well, it's uh, it's a very challenging schedule. I know Frank Selfo, you know, feels like it's the most challenging schedule since he's been here, and it probably is. Um, even though there's no P5, you know, Power Five team on the schedule, you play two FBS, which is unusual uh, for most FCS programs, but that's kind of what he wants to do. He wants to build a program. He wants to play good teams and play them in non-conference. So we have two on the schedule. and They're, they're both tough, and it'll be tough ball games. Central Connecticut, we played last year, uh, handled them pretty easily up there. But, you know, they were a conference champion coming back from the year before, so last year was probably an aberration for them. So they'll be improved. UIW, 
uh, beat Southeastern by three points on the road last year, won a conference uh, title. Um, they had moved to the WAC. Now they're coming back. They got a new head coach and um, uh, a lot of new players, but a very good program. Murray State, uh, solid out of the Ohio Valley. Texas Commerce, A&M Commerce is moving up from D2, but they won a national championship a couple of years ago. And, of course, Jacksonville State has moved up to FBS, but they're in transition, so they'll play an F- FCS season with extra scholarships, and, and they're always a power at the FCS level. So they'll be a tough task on the road. And, of course, our conference schedule is, is always tough. And, of course, McNeese, uh, Northwestern State, Nickel State, of course, the Riverbell Classic you talked about is our biggest rival, and that that's always uh, a barn burner, no question. You know, looking at the stats from last season, Southeastern was able to score 45 points a game. You know, do do you see the same kind of offensive production coming out of the Lions this year? I mean, it's hard to say you're going to duplicate 45 points. I mean, that's a you know that's a a, a great year by any standard. And but I do think this is going to be a very good offense, and I think it's going to be a little bit different in terms of mode of transportation. I, mean, I think we'll run the football a little bit more. Uh, we're still going to throw it a lot. That's the nature of Frank Selfo and Greg Stevens' offense. He likes to throw the football, but do feel like we got a chance to be more physical up front. Uh, we're deeper in the backfield, so I think you'll see more traditional runs. Of course, Cephas Johnson is a freak athlete. You know, he's six five, two twenty five, runs a four five, and you know he's a, a guy that could he could line up at running back and run the football. He can line up at wide receiver and catch it. You know, he's that talented offensively. I mean, uh, as a as an athlete. Uh, but he can also throw it. So uh, you may see him on the field uh, at wide receiver running back. I mean, in suits in the ball game, you'll see you'll see a lot of different packages, and uh, you'll see five wide, two tights. I mean, it's a very diverse offense, and I, I don't see us missing much of a beat. Uh, but it's hard to say we're going to duplicate forty five points. I mean, that's you know, especially the schedule. Last question I've got for you, Mark. You know, NIL and realignment has kind of been the name of, of college football here recently. Where do you stand on all of that, and how do you think it affects FCS football? Well, I think, you know, everybody hates it, I think, um, you know, especially at this level. But I, I will tell you, it really hasn't um, – it probably hasn't affected Southeastern as much as it has some other teams yet. I know it's going to, probably. Uh, we've probably staved off losing a few guys. I know there were some Power 5 schools came after a few of our players this year, and uh, thankfully, they, they stayed. I think they believe in the culture, and I think they want to stay one more year at least. So we don't know what's going to happen after this year. But, um, you know, it is what it is, and there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to try to figure out a way to manage it. And, and uh, But I will say this, you know, when there's so many players in the transfer portal, and, and, it, and from all classifications, you've got D2 guys moving up, you've got FCS players transferring out of programs, you've got a lot of Power five guys are trying to get on the field at different places. So you have all types of different transfers, NAI school, uh, kids moving up. So there are a lot of hidden gems out there and not enough places to go. So we'll always find players. But you just hope you don't get on that revolving door where you're trying to replace key guys every other year. I mean, that that's what makes it tough, and I think that's the thing that worries you the most. Uh, the NIL, of course, we don't have probably access to the big dollar NIL situations that other programs do but you just make the best of it and um try to move forward mark willoughby the voice of the southeastern lions the lions open up their season september 3rd here at cajun field against louisiana mark really appreciate you taking the time and best of luck this season absolutely appreciate it guys good luck and we'll see you over in a couple weeks all right good deal
And there he goes, Mark Willoughby, the voice of the Southeastern Lions. That's going to be a tough week one for the Cajuns. I mean, Southeastern, we, we talked about it, 45 points a game last year. Yeah, they've got to replace Cole Kelly, who won the FCS National Player of the Year and left the school as the all-time leading passer. But you also got Cephas Johnson, like he said. You also have Colby Suits, who transferred in from ULM, started for them last year. This could be a interesting group at uh, at Southeastern Louisiana in in good old Hammond America. James, let's take a timeout real quick because I'm seeing a thread of tweets about the Major League Football League. And uh, we're going to have to talk about it. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Got about six minutes left, James. All right, so there's this new minor league football league. Another one. Called yeah. Major League Football. How how ironic is that? A major league football, but it's minor league. Anyways, they're based out of Mobile, mm-hmm. or they're playing in Mobile. So That's this is, how everything's like in Atlanta, Georgia. This is the tweet from a TV sports anchor in Mobile. Simone Eli? Yes. Major League Football, which began practice last week at Lad People Stadium and was set to begin games next month in Mobile, Alabama, has been shut down per a coach in the league. This stemming in part from unpaid hotel rooms reservations. So I'm going to stop right there. You started a football league, which cost lots of money, but yet you had unpaid hotel rooms for your coaches and players? Okay, so there's problem number one. Let's keep reading. Today after practice, coaches were in meetings at a team hotel when hotel officials knocked on the door and informed them to leave immediately. By the time coaches returned to their rooms, hotel officials were knocking on players' doors, informing them to get out. Hotel room cards were shut off for everybody involved in the MLFB. Hotel officials retrieved luggage for people in the organization if they were not already in their rooms prior to the cards being shut off. They wanted them out so quickly that they didn't even let the coaches go get their own stuff. They said, ah, we'll get it for you. Don't worry about it. Just get out. This happened at three of the four team hotels. And then here's the other issue. She said, I personally left one hotel in Mobile where more than a dozen MLFB players sat in the lobby awaiting rides home. One player told me he was not being helped financially to get home. One coach needing a flight to Illinois also said he was not getting accommodations. So, first of all, you don't pay for these people's hotel room. And then you're not going to help them get back home. What the heck is this? And, and then, and then... I spoke with a league official in the hotel lobby who told me that they were going to try to bring coaches and players back in two weeks when, quote, stockholder money was approved by the SEC to help fund the league. You didn't even have the funding 
and you're putting people up in hotel rooms. What what what'd you think was gonna happen? What what are we doing? This is this is what not to do in the world of business, ladies and gentlemen. From from either party, from the business owner or from the employee. It just gets funnier and funnier. Oh. Just the more you read it. Oh my god! Like we we only have so much time left, but it, Simone Eli underscore TV. If you want to read the whole thread, it, oh this gets. Which this by gets, the way, she was at Sunbelt Media Day the last couple of weeks. Uh-huh. She's phenomenal. She is an incredible. I was TV gonna journalist. say she's given she has given a lot of good information throughout these yeah. tweets and threads. She is an incredible TV journalist. Um, but no, man. How do you start a league, recruit players and coaches, and then you can't pay for them to live? It makes no sense. And then apparently, coaches weren't going to get paid until their first game check. No, coaches had gotten paid. Players weren't going to get paid until their first game check. Oh, say check. the players only received a small stipend. A small but weren't going to... But weren't going to get paid until the page until first game. They received a small stipend. They probably got a Big Mac bag. Here's a Happy Meal. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. That is, that is the funniest yet most infuriating thing I've read today. Hot and spicy, but add the cheese. Oh my! They they decided to get fancy. I mean, first of all, the. The product is getting saturated with all these minor league, all these minor leagues. Like, all right, you got the XFL, you got the USFL. Enough. We don't need you know five more college footballs. Like, you know, we're good. And then, and then, uh, league official says that they plan on reimbursing yeah. them. We might if it works out the way we're thinking that it will. We'll call you in a month. When you're back living with your parents. Check your bank account. God, man. That's ridiculous. All right, Houston Astros playing the Seattle Mariners tonight. You can catch it right here on the game. (laughs) We'll be back tomorrow for a Friday fun show, and it will be fun. Crane & Company's Jake Crane joining us for the first ever edition of Jake's Takes. And we're going to talk with a guy from the HBCU podcast off script to preview the Southern football team as they will be the first game, second game on the schedule for the LSU Fighting Tigers. And oh yeah, Chris Vanini of The Athletic, he's stopping by tomorrow too. So it's a stacked Friday fun show. You will not want to miss it. For the intern, Daryl, on his last day. Appreciate everything you've done for us, bud. Producer extraordinaire, James Mesh. I'm Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them. Once again, tomorrow, Friday Fun Show. Houston Astros are next here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.